It's Storming the Court with Ryan Connell. Welcome into Storming the Court. Today is Friday, March 5th. This is March. We are just over a week away from Selection Sunday. Baylor suffers their first loss of the season, but they respond in a big way. Illinois makes a statement win as they knock off number two Michigan. And how is the bracket shaping up just a week away from Selection Sunday? But we'll start with the Baylor Bears, one of the two undefeated teams left at the last time that we recorded this podcast last Saturday. We were brought to just one undefeated team. Baylor, who's on the road to Fog Allen Fieldhouse and loses 71-58 to the hands of the Kansas Jayhawks. Baylor shot just 35% from the floor, less than 24% from beyond the arc for a team that all year has been the best three-point shooting team in the entire country. They shoot almost 44%. They shoot 24%, 6 of 26 in the loss, and they suffer their first loss of the season to Kansas. More than anything, this was such a terrible shooting game where Baylor looked a step slow and much of their shots were coming up short. Perhaps maybe some tired legs after a three-week-plus layoff due to COVID-19. And it wasn't just, hey, we're going on pause because a member of our program has tested positive for COVID. Baylor never released who had COVID. And being that they were on pause for more than the standard 10 to 14 days, they were on pause for nearly four weeks Many people believe that multiple players and high-profile players and coaches within the program of Baylor basketball went through having COVID-19. And a lot of these guys, obviously, are younger, and young people have the ability to bounce back from COVID. But still, the lingering effects of not being able to work out on a consistent basis for nearly a month. So you go from some of the best shape of your life, you go through this life-altering illness, you have a couple days to practice, one game, and then you're thrown in on the road against the best team in your conference's history and one of the best programs in college basketball history, and you're expected to go out and win a game. Instead, you come out flat, you don't look good shooting the ball, a lot of your shots are coming up short, and Baylor suffered their first loss of the season. Kansas played a hell of a game, and one that they probably needed to didn't need to win, but definitely a win like that goes a long way for the Jayhawks in terms of seeding. And it was a great win for Kansas. I said last week that Kansas would want nothing more but to end the undefeated season of the Baylor Bears. And what did they do on the senior night? They knock off the Baylor Bears. And now Kansas, I didn't know this going into last week. That would perhaps change my pick because I did pick Baylor to win a close one against Kansas. I said they'll eke this one out. Well, when you shoot 35%, and the best three-point shooting team in the country makes only six threes in shooting, that sh- in shooting below 25% from beyond the arc, it's going to be tough to eke one out. Kansas has now won 38 straight games on senior night. Last Saturday was the Jayhawks' last game of their regular season and Big 12 season. They just played a exhibition game against UTEP earlier this week. But in terms of actual season Big 12 season. It was their senior night. It was supposed to be their last game of the season. They just scheduled one game this week uh, at the last minute just to get some more reps before the Big 12 tournament. Had I known Kansas won 37 straight games on senior night, no shot I would have picked Baylor. Streak like that doesn't go, go doesn't get to be that long, and then it just suddenly snaps. Sure, Baylor was a good team, but with all the circumstances, but hey, sometimes you don't know. And you know what? I still think Baylor 
had a good chance in that game for most of the game. I would say it was the last five minutes where Kansas really pulled away, but there was always a point in my mind when Baylor was losing by six. It was like, all right, let's just come down and hit a three. It's a one-possession game. All right, they cut it to four. Okay, let's get a stop. Let's hit a bucket. We got ourselves a ball game. But Baylor just never got that big shot. Kansas was always able to assert themselves in the offensive end. David, David McCormick had a hell of a game. And Baylor deserved to lose. But why I'm leading the show with Baylor is not only because they suffered their first loss of the season, but because how they have responded since that one loss. They could have stumbled in their next game. They played on the road against the number six team in the country, West Virginia. Number three versus number six. They claw back in that game. They force it to go to overtime. Jared Butler with an absolute alpha move, taking it hard to the rack in the final 30 seconds to tie up the game, saying, give me the ball. I'm the first-team All-American on this team. I'm the best player on this team. Nobody on their team is going to stop me getting to the basket. He did that. So that game goes to overtime. Baylor pulls away in overtime, and they win their first regular season conference championship since 1950. Since 1950, 71 years, the Baylor Bears went without winning a regular season conference title. Baylor is your 2020-2021 Big 12 regular season title champions after they knocked off number 6 West Virginia on Tuesday night. 1950, the last time Baylor won a regular season conference title. Bill Henderson was the coach of the Baylor Bears. Henderson is the only coach in school history to lead Baylor to the Final Four. He did that twice. And when you think Bill Henderson, perhaps, you know, a great coach, two Final Fours, only coach in school history to do that, let's take it a step further and give you some context on Bill Henderson. Bill Henderson is the only coach in Division I men's basketball history to go to multiple Final Fours and have a career-winning percentage below 500. Yes, when Bill Henderson walked away from the game of basketball as a head coach, he went to multiple Final Fours, and his total winning percentage was less than 50%. He lost more games than he won in his college coaching career, but he did go to two Final Fours, and he's the only coach to lead Baylor to the Final Four. And it wasn't just that win against West Virginia. Sure, that that was a momentous win. You think, okay, that's what they played this whole season for. They were gunning for a Big 12 title. They captured that. All right, here's a letdown game against Oklahoma State just 48 hours later on their home floor. No, Baylor comes out, wins by 11. Just 48 hours after winning their first conference title in 71 years, the Bears knock off potential number one overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft, Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State after already clinching the Big 12 title. They appear to have hit their stride again. In terms of shot-making, defense, they've kind of stayed up to snuff the the first few games back, especially on the defensive end. That one outlying game against Kansas in terms of poor, poor shooting was, you know, a little concerning. Sure, Iowa State, they squeaked by them and only won by four. But that was their first game back. They had only two practices leading up to that game and over three weeks of being off. You throw out those two games, and there are two games since. they played two ranked teams. They've beat both of them. One in overtime, one on their home floor by double digits. Baylor lost at the perfect time. And I know timing is everything in life, but at the end of the regular season, still a few games left against major competition within your own conference before your conference tournament to get back on track. You lose to one of the best teams in your conference. 
You followed it up with two wins over ranked teams. So you head towards the Big 12 tournament, trending back in the right direction. You roll through the Big 10 tournament. You enter the NCAA tournament with confidence and, you know, no pressure of trying to keep an undefeated season alive because that's already gone. You can run into the NCAA tournament with a lot less pressure on your shoulders. I don't know if you know this, and I know this is me being facetious, but I don't know if you know this. You can only lose once in the NCAA tournament. It's a single elimination tournament. If you lose once, you're done. Baylor already lost once this year. That pressure of trying to get through each round a step closer to a national championship with the looming extra weight and burden on the shoulder of they're another close, they're another win closer to an undefeated season in a national championship. That weighs on you. Even if it's just you're playing, you know, as a one seed, you're playing in the second round, you're playing whoever wins the 8-9 game. And maybe they're up at halftime. Just that, that little bit of doubt creeping into your mind with all that pressure on your shoulders. Hey, can we, can we keep this undefeated season together? We worked so hard to get to this point. Can we close it out? Is this going to be too much? Can we come back from this? You don't want any of that in your head. And it'll be interesting to see how Gonzaga handles that pressure if they make the NCAA tournament as an undefeated team. But Baylor lost at the perfect time. They lost to a great team coming off of a COVID pause. So there's, I wouldn't say a built-in excuse, but a reason for their poor, poor performance. They respond with good performances after that and show that they're able to bounce right back and get on track to where they left off. You build up some confidence at the end of the regular season, you plow through the conference tournament, and you enter the NCAA tournament with, I think, probably the most complete team, top to bottom, and with a hell of a good shot to win the whole thing. Baylor looks real sharp, and for those that counted them out after that one game against Kansas, saying, oh, there's no way they're going to win at West Virginia on Tuesday, they might lose a couple games in a row, and if they lose to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State had won five straight games. Perhaps Baylor is going to go from no losses to three losses and have a three-game losing streak. No, they lost one game. They lost one game because they shot terribly. They had just one game and four practices under their belt after 23-plus days off from not playing basketball and no physical activity. When Michigan returned from COVID pause, they were put on pause by the university. They were still able to practice in limited capacity, individual workouts, and do things along those lines. Baylor can only practice two days before their game against Iowa State, their first game back. They were all in quarantine and isolation for multiple weeks. There was no individual workouts in the gym. There was no team practices. There was nothing. So now they lose one game. People started to write them off. But what do they do? They go on the road. They capture the conference regular season title on the road against a top 10 team in the country. They follow that up two days later and knock off potential number one overall pick in the upcoming draft at home by double digits. Baylor is all the way back. They're sharp. They lost at the right time. They're poised to make a deep run to the Final Four and perhaps even win a national championship. That's the Baylor Bears. That's the biggest story, I think, in college basketball how they've been able to deal with everything that's going on. So we talked to the, the 2021 NCAA tournament. The last few weeks we've been talking bracketology in terms of a bubble watch and teams, what they have to do and comparing resumes on who should make it or what work is left to be done for those on the bubble. This week I want to dive a little off of that and more talk one seeds. So before I get to the one seed talk, I will still fill you in with the latest bracketology. Both of these brackets are released as of this morning, Friday, March 5th. Terry Palm 
of CBS Sports last four in. Michigan State, VCU, Drake, St. Louis. His first four out, Boise State, Syracuse, Seton Hall, Ole Miss. Joe Lenardi of ESPN, his last four in. Drake, Michigan State, Xavier, Boise State. Lenardi's first four out, Seton Hall, Utah State, St. Louis, and Duke. So let's talk one seeds. Because I think the one seeds are all but set for this year's NCAA tournament. We are, as it stands right now, nine days from Selection Sunday, a little over a week away. Gonzaga is safely a number one seed, even if they lose before Selection Sunday. Okay, there's your number one overall seed. Check. Baylor is still a number one seed if they lose another game this season. Okay, check. That's two. Michigan is safely a number one seed as it stands right now and probably won't fall off even if they lose another game this season. It'll only give them their third loss of the year. Okay, check. So, already we got three teams. We got three number one seeds. There's only four brackets. The fourth number one seed as it stands right now is Illinois. They beat Michigan earlier this week in an absolute beatdown. Illinois was playing without their best player and National Player of the Year candidate, Io DeSumo. It didn't matter. On the road in Ann Arbor, they torched Michigan. And Michigan looked terrible. But Michigan responded just two days later and knocked off rival Michigan State by 20 points at home. So quickly, Michigan puts away the doubters of those that question how they did. But they just looked out of sync against Illinois. It's bound to happen. But still, they're safely a number one seed. They have just two losses all year and have looked like one of the most complete teams in college basketball. Illinois moved up to the one line thanks to Ohio State losing multiple games in a row here. And their big win over Michigan all but solidified them as the fourth number one seed. They're the number one seed according to both Jerry Palm and Joe Lenardi and are pretty firmly there. They have a big matchup with Ohio State on Saturday, which we'll touch on here in a few minutes, but... How many teams are really vying for that last number one spot? That's what I want to talk about. So we have Illinois, as it stands right now. They're the, they're they're fourth and squarely, I think, the fourth number one seed. Then we have Ohio State, probably the top team to move up to the number one line. They could pick up multiple signature wins in the Big Ten tournament. A statement win against Illinois just on Saturday night. They have, I think, the most leverage to get back to the one line. But they have lost three games in a row and kind of don't look like themselves. So there is a little concern there. Alabama. If they run the table through the SEC tournament, they should be at least talked about. And in the conversation for number one seed, they have a worthy resume to be on the one line. Houston possibly is in the conversation. Although I think the Cougars took a few too many losses in the American because they play such a weak schedule. Those losses, I think, weigh more than people realize. Their record might look good and in terms of they might have less losses than teams that end up on the one line, but they just don't have the strength and quality of wins that Illinois and Alabama or an Ohio State have. And perhaps the only other team with the smallest case for a number one seed is Iowa. If they win the Big Ten tournament, they theoretically have to beat Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, probably two of those three to do that. If they do that, that means both other teams vying for the one spot. Illinois and Ohio State don't win the Big Ten tournament. So that's a strike against them. And that means Iowa does. So that jumps them up to at least a level playing field. And then it depends really 
on the committee's discretion at that point when you compare the resumes side by side. So there's an outside chance, very outside, very limited chance, in small case for Iowa to be on the one line. Realistically, though, if Illinois beats Ohio State on Saturday, that pretty much locks up the number one seats. If Ohio State wins, that's where the conversation opens up. Because if Illinois wins, they lead the nation in quad one wins. They'll finish second in the best conference in America, the Big Ten, only behind Michigan, the team who's also a one seed. So essentially it comes down to Illinois, Ohio State, and Alabama, who are more likely than not it will be the second team from the Big Ten. This year, the top of the bracket has been pretty easy to lay out. Enough teams have separated themselves to where it isn't too much of a debate. Again, the first three number one seeds, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, in that order, are all pretty much secure. I don't see a way that those three don't end up on the one line. Then the question becomes, should it be Illinois? Should it be Ohio State? Alabama? Perhaps a Houston or Iowa? I really think the conversation can only be between Illinois, Ohio State, and Alabama. And if Illinois wins against Ohio State on Saturday, the Illini all but lock up the number one seed. And are our number one seed in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2005 when they lost in the national championship to North Carolina. So let's look ahead to this week's upcoming games in college basketball. Three absolute great games we are going to talk about for you. First one comes on Saturday. Number 17, Oklahoma State at number 6, West Virginia. Cade Cunningham has been putting on a great show the last few games in college basketball. Doesn't play that great in the first half. When the clock turns to the second half, Cade Cunningham comes alive. 20 of his 24 points against, uh, against Baylor on Thursday night in the second half. He absolutely dominated Oklahoma. In a 40-10 and 10 game in the first game they played and willed his team to victory in the second one with another 15-10. and 10. But Cunningham left the game against Baylor in the final minute. He rolled his left ankle on the foot of Davion Mitchell. Was helped to the sideline by coaches and fellow players. There was no report on if it was a serious enough injury to hold him out, but it was enough for him not to return to the game. That is a situation to monitor, especially heading into this game, perhaps if they choose to sit him out. But I don't think they will. I think they'll give Cunningham the ability to play. And if they do, that's a big boost to the Cowboys on the road against the Mountaineers. Cowboys were originally ineligible for this year's NCAA tournament. They appealed that suspension. And since then, the NCAA hasn't ruled on it. So since they are still in the appeals process, they are now eligible for the NCAA tournament unless the NCAA deems them ineligible. So they can play in the NCAA tournament this year. And then the NCAA will come out with a ruling probably sometime this summer and say, nope, Oklahoma State's banned for next year. But since the appeal hasn't gone through yet and there hasn't been any, really, any noise on that front at all, it's not going to get approved before Selection Sunday. That's just in this last week. They're not going to just turn in the 48th hour here and just say, nope, you can't go. We're going to rule on this decision now. That'd just be utterly asinine. You'd take away the potential number one pick in the draft from playing in the NCAA tournament, just even the eyeballs on that and getting more juice 
to this tournament is anything that you could use. You, you want the stars playing in your tournament. They're not going to rule Oklahoma State ineligible. West Virginia, though, they played an awesome game versus Baylor early this week. Definitely have Final Four potential for how hot they get and how they can play with pretty much anyone. Whether it's inside with Derek Culver, Deuce McBride in the outside, Sean McNeil, Taz Sherman, Emmett Matthews Jr. West Virginia is deep. Bob Huggins has a really good team. I love WVU's ability to match up with anyone and play a variety of ways. I think them against Oklahoma State, I'll like the Mountaineers more at home, especially if Cade Cunningham can't play. If he can't play, I still like the Mountaineers at home to close out the regular season. Next game, game we talked about before. Number four, Illinois, at number seven, Ohio State. This game also on Saturday. Illinois put down a dominant effort against Michigan. Again, I said, no Ayo Dusumo. It was the likes of Andre Curbelo, Trent Frazier, Kofi Coburn. On the road in Ann Arbor, absolutely manhandled Michigan. Ohio State, trending in the opposite direction here. Just a couple weeks ago. They were sitting pretty as the number four team in the country. Where they are now, down to number seven. Lost three straight games. Buckeyes have a problem on the interior. Ohio State is the smallest team in the Big Ten. They don't have a single player above six foot eight. EJ Liddell is their be- their biggest player. Kofi Coburn provides a matchup nightmare for Ohio State, just like Luca Garza did, just like Trace Jackson Davis does, just like Hunter Dickinson does, just like any other big man in the Big Ten who's any good. Ohio State can't slow down. Already, they're not a great defensive team. They're one of the best offensive teams in college basketball. Defense has always been their problem. You don't have a guy above six eight. Problems continue to mount. And we're seeing the regression of Ohio State back to the mean here, losing three straight games, not being able to slow anyone down in the interior. If Kofi Kofi Coburn doesn't get in foul trouble, which he's done a much better job this year of staying out of foul trouble, man, he's going to eat against Ohio State. And I have a funny feeling that Io DeSumo might be back for this game. And if he's back for this game, that's just another problem for OSU's defense because they have nobody that can guard him. Io's been playing like one of the best players in college basketball, probably second in National Player of the Year to Luca Garza. And some may say you can make the case that he might be the National Player of the Year. He had multiple triple-doubles this year. Ohio State doesn't have anyone that can defend that. Sure, the Buckeyes have great offensive firepower to keep this one close and definitely win at home. But their lack of defense is what causes some major concerns for me. I'll roll with the Illini on the road, but I wouldn't be shocked if Ohio State bounces back. I just can't pick the Buckeyes at this current moment with how their defense is. They have no matchup for Kofi Coburn. If Iowa DeSumo plays for Illinois, they have no one that could slow him down. There are just too many question marks for Ohio State on the defensive end. I can't justify picking them at the moment. I like Illinois on the road at Ohio State. Final game comes on Sunday in the Big 12. Number 18, Texas Tech at number 3, Baylor. Baylor trying to win their third straight game after suffering their only loss of the season. They will have lost to Kansas and then have the chance to rattle off three straight wins over ranked teams to end the regular season. They bounced back so well. We talked about that at the top of the show. They bounced back great after their loss to Kansas. Finally starting to find some form after the return from pause. Texas Tech knocked off Texas last week. Cues another statement win for the Red Raiders' very weird resume. Texas Tech has been pretty much in the top 25 all season long, and they've been f- under 500 in quad one opportunities. They don't have that many great ranked wins. It's just they lose the games they're supposed to lose. 
They slowed Baylor up the last time they played. They only lost by eight, but it came down to the final few possessions where Jared Butler hits a couple threes late in that game to separate Baylor from Texas Tech. He went pretty much scoreless the entire time, hit a couple big threes down the stretch, and Baylor pulled away. At the time, that was one of the two games in the, on the season that Baylor hadn't won by double digits. Baylor's very good, and they might just be the team I trust the most in close late-game situations. They're battle-tested. They've responded well from adversity. They're at home. Give me Baylor on their home floor against another ranked team. Make three straight wins over ranked teams after suffering their own loss of the year. Give me Baylor at home against Texas Tech. Last week, terrible week for picks, 0-3. The last three weeks, we've gone pretty much 1-8. and And we went from 22-14 and to now 23-22. and Still above 500. Let's close out the regular season strong here. Conference tournaments on the horizon for next week. Let's close out the regular season strong with picks. Let's keep this above 500. I like West Virginia at home against Oklahoma State. I like Illinois on the road at Ohio State. And I like Baylor on their home floor against Texas Tech. That'll do it for this episode of Storming the Court. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Continue to share the show with anyone who is interested in college basketball. We're just a week away from Selection Sunday. After the bracket's revealed, we'll have a lot more content on this show. I'm considering bracket-by-bracket bracket breakdown. Each region, we're going to break it down, separate show, talking about every matchup. Full bracket NCAA tournament preview. That's going to be electric. You're going to want to hear that. And you know, so many people fill out brackets. Share the show with them. Let's give them the knowledge. Let's help people in their bracket pools. That's what we want to do. That's how we grow the show. Can't wait for that just a week away from Selection Sunday. Everything you need to know about the show can be found on Twitter at Rye underscore Connell. That's R-Y underscore C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy another weekend of college hoops. It's the last weekend of the regular season in college basketball. Enjoy it because this is March, and I'll see you again next week.